Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Now, I think God has a sense of humor because today I'm talking about rest. I'm teaching on the biblical reality of rest. And simultaneously, I have a four-week-old at home. So uh, we are excited. We're thrilled. We're tired. We're blessed. We're joyful. We're tired. And we're tired. Because I don't know if you've been around four-week-olds often, but four-weeks-old and rest are not exactly synonyms of one another, okay? Four-week-olds don't really sleep a whole lot. Uh, in fact, actually, they actually do sleep a lot. They sleep 19 hours a day. You know how I know that? I looked it up at 2 a.m. <laughs> because though they sleep 19 hours a day, there's these five hours out of the day that they don't sleep, and they choose the exact moment that you want to sleep in order to not sleep. And so we tired at the Matthews household right now uh, because of our little boy that we absolutely love and adore. And I'll be honest with you, uh, it messes with you when you're tired, okay? There was a lot of things that happened these last couple of weeks that just have kind of messed with me a little bit. Uh, but one thing in particular, a couple of days after my son was born, I went to a friend's house, it was his birthday. So I went and got Max's donuts because that's what you do on your friend's birthday. Then you brought it to him and I walked in and I just go, hey man, how you doing? And he goes, great. And he was surprised to see me because I only had like a four day old at that point. And he looked at me and he goes, how are you doing? And I thought I was doing pretty well. You know, I was able to operate a motor vehicle, you know, I felt good. And he says, he said, how are you doing? I go, I think I'm doing pretty good. And he goes, really? Because your shirt's inside out. <laughs> oh, Apparently I wasn't doing as good as I thought I was. Because the truth is like lack of sleep really does mess with you, right? I mean, there's a reason why sleep deprivation is a form of torture, all right? And I've experienced that these last couple of weeks. And I've noticed that in me when I get not sleep, then all of a sudden, like sometimes the real me comes out. And that real me can actually be pretty ugly. I can run back to my sin struggles or at least be more tempted to do so. I can be more stressed. I can be shorter with people. I can be more selfish. It's kind of ugly. Lack of sleep can really mess with you because you were made to sleep. You were made to physically rest. There's a daily reminder of that. And when you don't, it messes with you. Now, if that's true physically, how much more is that true spiritually? Because you've been made to spiritually rest. Rest in Christ, rest in God. And so what happens when we get tired spiritually? What happens to you when your life outpaces you? Because so many of us are running out of pace that our soul cannot keep up with. And we're tired. And it doesn't matter how much sleep we get, how much binge watching we get, there's something about our soul that still is restless, it's still tired. And so we have this hurried sickness in our culture. And life becomes this series of events, one after another, in which it feels like we're always running, but never arriving. You ever feel like that? What do we typically do when that happens? Well, I know what I typically do. 
Then I just started thinking, man, I can't wait for the end of the day, right? When all the kids are down and everyone's just like, I get like five minutes of silence, right? And I can enjoy. Or I can't wait to the weekend where I can just relax or I can't wait to that trip that's coming up. Or I, you know what I need to do? I just need to pull out my phone and kind of, kind of scroll through a bunch of stuff real fast just to kind of numb the pain out. And then the grand irony is I end up being more tired after that than I was before that. You've been made to rest spiritually. And yet so often we turn to things that are very much cheap substitutes for the real thing. So what if there was a better rest? And what if it was available not whenever your PTO comes in or not when everything is the way you think it should be in your world? What if the rest, this this certain reality that our soul really longs for, this ambiguous thing that always feels like it's right there, but right out of our grasp. What if that was actually available to you? And what if it was not something you had to earn, but something you just received as a gift? What if there was a better rest from God? Well, that's exactly what we're looking at this morning. You see, we've been moving through the book of Hebrews and we've been looking at how Jesus is better. And we've seen throughout the book of Hebrews that Jesus is better, Jesus' work is better, and the Christian life is better. That in the first three chapters, we looked at the superiority of Christ, that Jesus himself is better. But then now we're moving into a new section, that from the reality that Jesus is better, now we're gonna look at the superiority of Christ's work in chapters four through 10, that what he does is better, what he gives is better, what we receive from him is better. And what I love about this is the very first thing it focuses in on is the idea that Jesus is the better rest. That the work of God in the person of Jesus Christ begins with us receiving a better rest from God, that the very heart of God for you is to receive a rest from God. And in the passage we're looking at today, we see 10 different times the word rest, rest, rest. He wants you to see it. He doesn't want you to miss it, that God wants to give you this rest. 10 times the Hebrew idea of completion, of wholeness, And so even this passage is subtly saying that the full reality of rest is found in Christ. And it's not something you have to earn, it's something you get to receive. And so what is rest? Because a lot of us, when we think about rest, we think about leisure or comfort or the weekend or a lake house, I don't know. But the reality of it is biblical rest is something so much deeper, so much truer, so much soul satisfying er. That's a word, don't look it up. What we see is that biblical rest is experiencing the fullness of what God has for us both now and forever. That biblical rest is experiencing the fullness of what God has for us both now and forever. It's not an activity you do, but it's an approach to life. And if I were to follow somebody around for a day or a week that was really experiencing the fullness of what God had for them, the full rest of God, what I would find is someone that was doing these three things, that their life would be marked by embracing God's promises, but also enjoying God's presence. 
And as they embrace God's promises and enjoy God's presence, they would actually be experiencing the very rest and the peace that God wants to freely give us. And so that's what we're looking at this morning. In Hebrews chapter four, we see that Jesus is our better rest. He's what our souls actually long for and crave, but he's also the one that's gonna lead us into the very rest of God. So that's what we're looking at this morning. And we're gonna see just how attainable this is today. And so up first, we just see in verse one, it begins with the word therefore. Now, therefore, every time you see that kind of Bible study 101, you see, therefore, you're meant to ask, what's it there for? And you go backwards to what we've already been reading and discussing. And so I hope you've been joining with us in our reading plan and Sunday mornings as we've been journeying through the book of Hebrews because it's so rich and it's so amazing as it pictures who Jesus is and what he's done. And for three chapters, it's just kind of shown a spotlight on Jesus. But these last couple of chapters, what we've seen and what Jeff kind of unpacked last week was this that the people of God were saved out of Egypt by Moses. Oh, by the way, Hebrews, Jesus is the better Moses. But then they were meant to kind of go into this promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey, substance and sweetness in order to enjoy the very presence of God. But then what happened? They get to the very border and not out of a fear of the Lord, but out of a fear of man, they stop. And for 40 years, they wander in this wilderness area, missing out on the fullness of what God has for them. And so Jeff got to lead you through the wilderness. I get to lead you to the promised land, all right? Because that's what we're looking at this morning. And so how do we make sure we don't miss the fullness of what God has for us? Therefore, while the promise of entering the rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For the good news came to us just as it came to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. And so don't miss at the heart of God here. The heart of God is to bring his people into rest, into fullness, into joy, into life, into the fullness of what he has for them, both now in this life and then forever in the life to come. It says right here, the promise of entering still stands. It's attainable, but it's not something you earn like PTO. It's something you receive from a loving and gracious God. And so how do we receive it? Well, our passage gives us two clear ways, fear and faith. If you underline in your Bible, underline those two words, because that is gonna drive everything else in our passage, this fear of the Lord and a faith in the Lord. And so fear is not like terror, but rather a reverence, an awe, an honor, a seriousness towards God of who he is and what he's done. And so the author has just spent the last three chapters in Hebrews declaring who Jesus is. And so our natural response as we see who Jesus is, is to run to him and to revere him for all that he is and all that he's done. And so he has said, he's the heir of all things. He's the means of God's creation. He's the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact imprints of God's nature. He upholds the universe. He purifies us to stand before God. He sits supreme over all things. That was the first four verses. Three chapters of declaring the supremacy of Jesus Christ who he is and our response to him 
is one of fear, of adoration, of reverence, lest we miss out on all of him. The good news has come to us of who Jesus is, just like it came to them, but we only benefit from it when we respond in faith to it and to him. Faith is a trust in God. It's the drawing near to him. It's listening. It's living under his rule and his reign for us. And faith is not simply for the unbeliever to become a believer. Faith is an ongoing, day by day, ever increasing trust and dependency and obedience to the God who is. That is what faith is. And we are called to respond to this God that we have just seen over three chapters with a fear and a faith, to revere him, but then to run to him. That's where rest begins. And the rest of this section is gonna highlight the difference between those who walk in this fear and faith and those who don't. It says, for we who have believed, who have walked in this fear, that's walked in this faith, have entered that rest. As he had said, I sworn in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. If you read that this week and dug into this, it, it, this week, you probably got a little cross-eyed. Because simultaneously he's saying, hey, we enter that rest, but by the way, I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter the rest, but by the way, God has entered rest, but then by the way, you shall not enter the rest. And so what in the world is he talking about here? Well, he's doing something quite masterful. You see, he's quoting these two passages from the Old Testament in order that we would see both an invitation, but also a warning. You see, he's quoting right here, Genesis 2.2 and Psalm 95. Genesis 2.2 is the culmination of God's creation. In Genesis chapter one, God creates all things. And at the pinnacle of his creation, he creates man, humanity. Those who are made in his image and likeness in order to look like God, but also lead this world alongside God. And then on the seventh day, it says God rested from all of his works. So if you think about that, mankind was created on the sixth day. Mankind's first full day of existence was not one of work, it was one of rest. That God has placed this rhythm into our lives and it doesn't end with rest, it actually begins with rest. Which is why in Genesis one, over and over and over again, it doesn't say, and it was morning and evening, the first day, the second day, the third day, it actually says, and it was evening and it was morning. In the Hebrew mindset, the day actually begins at night. Why? Because our posture towards God always begins with rest. And from that posture of rest, of experiencing all that he is and all that he's done for us, we then move out into a life marked by responding to him. That's why Psalm 95 is there. You see Psalm 95, the first half, if you read that this week in our reading plan, what you saw was this unbelievable depiction of how glorious and how awesome our God is and how the proper response before this God is to worship, is to fear, is to have faith, is to run to him and to revere him. And right here, it says though, they shall not enter my rest because halfway through Psalm 95, after declaring the beauty of who God is, there's a warning. 
hey, you don't just get this. You don't earn it. You receive it by faith. And so there's an objective reality that you could be left out. That God has placed these rhythms into this world and he wants you, he's inviting you into it to experience all that God has and all that he wants for you. And yet these people had their hearts hardened because they didn't believe, they walked in disobedience and therefore they didn't enter in to the fullness of what God has for them, even though it was right there in front of them. And so it's an invitation to us, but it's also a warning for us. You see this right here, Psalm 95, is a reflection from David over the entire story from Exodus to Numbers to Joshua, what we've been talking about these last couple of weeks. And you see what happened in this moment is God's people were saved out of Egypt. And it was meant to be this two week journey to go into the fullness of God's rest and God's rewards, this new Eden environment in which the sweetness and substances of God was given freely, not by force, but by faith. And yet they get to the very beginning of the promised land. And instead of embracing the promises of God, you know what they do? They reject the promises of God. You see, they had the promises of God right in front of them. Hey, I'm gonna give you this land flowing with milk and honey, substance and sweetness. I wanna give you all that life has to offer both now and forever. I wanna be with you. I want you to be with me and I'm gonna be your God and I'm gonna help you navigate this whole life and I'm gonna make it amazing and awesome and incredible as you walk with me and know me. That doesn't mean that you don't have problems or issues. It just means that you have this peace that surpasses understanding. But then they walked up and they saw these big people in the land, this problem, that felt so big in their eyes and they forgot about the bigness of God. And so instead of fearing God, they feared man and they started walking not in faith, but in security and doubt. And that generation began to be marked by a fear, an insecurity and a disobedience. Why? Because they did not embrace the promises of God. They had the presence of God all around them fire by night, smoke by day, a 24 seven reminder that God is with you. And they didn't care. They kept going their own way, running their own offense, doing their own thing, even though God was right there and they failed not to even understand that God was there, but to enjoy God that is there that he is the wellspring of life, they missed it. And because they didn't embrace God's promises, because they didn't enjoy God's presence, they didn't, didn't experience God's peace. They didn't go into the promised land of rest and reward from God. They missed it. And so these people missed out on the rest of God because they weren't embracing, enjoying, and experiencing all that God had for them. And it was a choice, it was a choice. And just like they missed it, the warning of this passage is that we can miss it, that we can be saved out of our own sin and our own self, but then we can walk this life wandering the wilderness. And just like the Israelites were marked by fear and anxiety and disobedience, that can mark our life where God wants your life to be marked by peace and joy and love. And the question you have to wrestle with today is what actually marks your life? Is your day-to-day -day reality marked by a peace, a joy, a love, 
that overflows because of your relationship with God? Or is it marked by fear, anxiety, insecurities, pride? What do other people think about me? And then I'm just gonna zone out to my phone to numb that so I can make it to the next day. What actually marks your life? Because this is a warning to us and it's an invitation. You see, for me, I missed out on the fullness of God for years. I graduated college and I went off and I worked my first job and I just began to hustle like 60 hours a week working. I was in seminary at the time. I was a new husband. And so I was figuring that whole world out and I was building a pergola at the same time. So just overdoing it, right? In every capacity, in every category. And then all of a sudden something very strange began to happen to me. I began to get tired, like really tired. Physically, yes, mentally, yes, emotionally, yet. But there was something deeper. There was this spiritual tiredness in it. And that was weird to me because I was reading my Bible every day. I was praying every day. I was going on walks every day, talking with God. And yet I was so anxious that I would have panic attacks every single day. One time I had to pull over on the side of the road because I didn't think I would make it home because I was hyperventilating. What was happening? I was doing all the right things, right? Wrong. You see, the people in the wilderness, they were doing a lot of the religiosity of the day, but they weren't embracing, they weren't enjoying, they weren't experiencing all that God had for them. And so for me, I had to recognize that I'd been doing all the religiosity of my day. I was checking the box of spending time with the Lord. I was checking the box of praying, but I wasn't walking in the fullness of it because I wasn't embracing the, the promises I had just been reading about. I wasn't enjoying God's presence. He was just kind of there in the morning and then I moved throughout the day doing my own thing, working on my own strength. And I wasn't experiencing then the very peace and the rest of God and I missed it. I missed it. And the warning in this passage is so can we. We can miss out on the rest of God even though it's right before us, even though it's attainable even though God wants to give it to us freely. And so if you're in this season right now in which you feel like you're doing all the right things and yet you're still spiritually exhausted and you begin to think, man, I feel like there's something more. That's because there is. There's more joy. There's more peace. There's more life. There's more rest that's found not in religiosity, but in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a person to be studied. He's a person to have a relationship with. And so what I had to do was I had to come to grips with the reality that I had made daily decisions to enter into fatigue, to do things on my own strength, to overbook my life, to not embrace, to not enjoy, to not experience all that God was. And if I made those, then what I needed to start doing was through the power of the Holy Spirit, with the encouragement of the people of God and according to the truths found in God's word, I had to make daily moment by moment decisions, Holy Spirit inspired decisions to enter into the rest of God. And the good news is no matter where you're at, 
the invitation stands right here, right now to enter into all that God has for you. That's why the passage continues with an emphasis on the word today, today. It says, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, not because they were tired, not because they had a long day, not because they're a new mom and they go, man, I, just, I look up and I haven't really spent time in God's word the last couple of days, not because of that, because of disobedience, because their tired soul led them to reject the living God. Because of this obedience, because of all that, again, he appoints a certain day, today, right here, right now. Saying through David so long afterwards, and the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The book of Hebrews right here is quoting David, who's reflecting on the story of Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua. And that's showing us that this is a timeless reality. This is a timeless principle that God is always open arms saying, receive it. The invitation is now. It's not tomorrow. The devil loves tomorrow because it's only a day away. Because tomorrow it's a lot easier to spend time in your word. Tomorrow it's a lot easier to love sacrificially. Tomorrow it's a lot easier to do X, Y, and Z, to obey God, to walk with God, to remember God's truth and his promises. I've been trying to get fit tomorrow for like three months. Because tomorrow's a lot easier. But that's not the invitation. The invitation is for today, every single day. I love this because every single day, every single moment, the rest of God is actually available to you. What about when my life is crazy? It's available to you. What about when my kids are sick and hard <laughs> and they are throwing a tantrum because they, you put the shoes on wrong, right? That's lived experience for me this week. Rest is available. What if I run out of PTO? Rest is available, why? Because rest is not your quiet time. Rest is not a weekend, rest is not a trip. Jesus is our rest and he's with you always, everywhere, which means he's accessible always, everywhere. Jesus is the fullness of life and of joy and of peace that God has for us. That elusive thing that your heart longs for is there. We just have to receive it. The invitation stands today. So what would it look like for you today, not tomorrow, today, to enter into this rest? There was a friend of mine who she was a new mom and two kids under the age of two. So she was not getting a lot of physical rest, right? Her husband was out of town a whole lot over the first couple months of their newborn's life. And so she was exhausted, she's tired. And so she started praying, okay, God, I need more sleep, I need more margin, I need more energy. And she heard so clearly this strong impression in her, God saying, okay, here's what you do. Wake up an hour early and spend that time with me. And she responded by saying, no, God, I don't think you heard me correctly. I need more sleep. 
I need more energy. That would give me less. I need more, not less, more. And God just sweetly reminded her, hey, you don't need more sleep. You need more rest. You need more me. You need me. So she kind of reluctantly started doing it, almost as an experiment. And she's going, okay, I'm gonna wake up early and I'm gonna pour my heart out to God. I'm gonna read his word, remind myself of truth. And then I'm gonna realign my heart and my mind to the day because the day was gonna come at her whether she was ready or not. And the day's coming at you every single day, whether you're ready or not. And we have to retune our hearts back to the things of God, who he is and what he's done for us. And she started to do that. And she began to say, it made all the difference. Her situation didn't change, but her soul did because she was finding the rest of God. So maybe for you, yes, you need to wake up early when it seems like the exact opposite thing that you should be doing right now. Maybe for you, you need to set reminders throughout the day on your phone or whenever you walk into those meetings or whenever you get into the car and just remind yourself of who God is and what he's done for you and what that means for you in that moment. Maybe for some of you, you need to actively take some things off your schedule so that you have margin for your soul to breathe throughout the day. I don't know what it is for you, but we at City Bridge Community Church have to keep growing in our posture of embracing God's promises, of enjoying his presence and experiencing his peace. And the good news about all of this is we're not asked to do this alone. Jesus is our better rest, but Jesus also brings us into a better rest. Jesus is the fullness of who God is and what God wants for us. And we can experience him, we can know him, but he also brings us into that. That's why the passage continues by saying this, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for God's people. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. You see, in the Old Testament, God saved his people out of Egypt through Moses. But then when they get to the promised land and they reject God, Moses then leads them throughout the wilderness season for 40 years, a season of testing. But then they get to the edge of the promised land again and Moses hands the reins over to Joshua, whose name means Yahweh saves. And Joshua brings his people into the promised land. And if you read the book of Joshua, what you see is that it's never by force. It's always by faith. It's never by white knuckling it. It's always by trusting in who God is and the promises that he's given him. I mean, the first battle, God was like, put down your swords, pick up your instruments and walk around the building for seven days and watch what I do. It was always by faith, it wasn't by force as they worshiped and celebrated their God, God won the victory for them. And yet when they get into the land at the end of Joshua and at the beginning of Judges, you know what happens? They stop relying on God. They start, stop embracing his promises. They stop experiencing all that he is. And so all of a sudden, this rest that God had given them, they begin to lose it not their salvation, but the fullness of what God has for them. And it shows us that entering into rest requires faith, but remaining in rest requires faith. This is an invitation of God to you, but it's also a warning. Do not drift away. 
draw near because Jesus is better. And what I love about this is the author is kind of having fun because this name Joshua in the Hebrew is Yeshua. It literally means God is my salvation or God saves or Yahweh saves. And if you were to say that in Greek, which is what your New Testament is written in, it would be pronounced Yesus. And if you were to say that in English, you would say the name Jesus. You see, what the author is trying to communicate is this, that Joshua did not bring his people into the fullness of rest that God has for them. So a new Joshua would need to come. Someone who would truly be Yahweh saves. The new Joshua that would bring his people into the promised land of full rest, a full reward found in Jesus, the new Joshua alone. Which is why when Jesus was asked, hey, how do we live this life? How do we experience the fullness of what God would have for us? You know what he said? He said, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I'm gonna give it to you. But it's not without effort. It's without earning, he gives it to you. But it's not without effort. There's a response that we have to do. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Joshua, the new Joshua has come. The one that would truly bring us into a better rest, a fuller rest, a final rest of God and it's Jesus Christ alone. So then what is our responsibility today? Well, the passage ends by saying, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Strive to enter rest. That feels like an oxymoron, right? Work to enter rest. So what is the author saying here? Well, it's interesting that that word rest has the same idea as another word that we use a lot in kind of Christian circles, which is the word abide remain. The work of the Christian is not to earn God's favor, but rather to live a life knowing that God fully already smiles upon you, that God has given you right before you promises that you can embrace, that he is right now around you. Everywhere you go, he's with you. And so you can enjoy that very God. And as you do that, you then get to walk in and experience the very presence and the peace and the power of God in your life. And that happens when we abide moment by moment, day by day, that we rest in the fullness of God. I love what James Bryan Smith said. He says, to abide means to rest and rely on Jesus, who is not outside of us judging us, but inside of us empowering us. Jesus is the better rest, but he also is the one who leads us into that better rest when we submit our lives to him, his lordship, when we walk in that fear and that faith in him. The Christian life is what you do when you finally realize that you can do nothing without Christ. That is the Christian life. And until then, you will keep running around in the wilderness wondering what you're missing when he's right in front of you. And so what do we do? 
if rest is experiencing the fullness of who God is, then it all comes back to embracing God's promises. That you would open up God's word and just go, what does it say about God? What does it say about me? What does it say about the world around me? And then how can I just meditate upon that, think about that, remember that throughout the day and hold on to that? What if you actually believe the promises of God and not just read about them, but actually believe them? That you're loved, that you're cared for, that he's with you. You start holding on to that, all of a sudden you'll begin to enjoy the very presence of God. That God is not just something to be studied, he's a person to be enjoyed that you begin to realize that this very God who is all these things that he just declared himself to be is actually with you in your car, at your home, at your office, when your kid is screaming at you, when your roommate is super annoying, he's actually there with you, not over you judging you, but in you, empowering you. When we just have the sense to accept it, And when we begin to do this, all of a sudden we begin to experience the very peace and the joy that God has for us, the very rest of God, that elusive reality that we think can be found in all these other things, but it's only found in God. And so here's how I put this into practice this week. This week was a little bit of a hot mess, okay? Youngest kid wasn't sleeping, oldest kid was sick, and a busy week at work, little sleep, And for the first several days of that, man, I lost my cool. I raised my voice a lot more than I typically do. I was stressed, I was anxious. And I woke up on Friday thinking, you know what I need to do? I need to have a very different approach to today because what I've been doing on my own is not working. And so I started to think, started to pray, started to read God's word and go, God, what is it about who you are? What promise can I hold on to today? And God brought me to the reality that he is my strength. I started reading all these verses about him being my strength. And so I came up with this little sentence that was helpful for me. Jesus is my strength and he is with me. He's with me. He, he's, he's there all the time. Therefore, I can pour myself out today. I said that like a thousand times on Friday. And it made all the difference. Kids were still screaming. Kids were still sick throwing tantrums over the silliest things. (laughs) But all of a sudden I had this peace that surpassed understanding. So much so that at a certain point, one of our toilets broke. And I just looked at it and I was like, you know what? It's gonna be okay. My wife was like, you're responding to this a lot differently than you typically do. And I just was like, yeah, well, these things happen. And I was like, what is happening to me? Oh, and what was happening to me was I was experiencing just this moment of the rest of God that I could walk in and enjoy. And so I don't know what it is for you, what promise you need to hold on to. Maybe it's the fact that Jesus is holy and that holy and righteous God is actually with you all the time. And therefore, sin doesn't need to rule you. You have a new master. And you can resist that temptation because Jesus isn't over you, condemning you. He is in in you, empowering you. Or maybe for you, it's man, Jesus is wise and he's with me. Therefore, I can make that decision about work or about life or about home because I know that he's with me and I can trust that he's in it. 
Or maybe it's that Jesus is in control and he's with me, therefore I can let go of the thing that I typically try to control because he's got this. Or maybe it's that he's gracious and he's with me so I don't have to beat myself up, but I can walk in freedom today. I don't know what it is for you, but we have got to be a people who embrace the promises of God and enjoy the very presence of God as we experience the fullness of the peace and the joy and the rest of God. Augustine said it best, that you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Are you tired? Maybe it's because you're missing out on the rest of God. So last story. One of the sweetest moments of these last few weeks was around 2 a.m. I was up with my son and our institute program here is actually reading through Genesis and Exodus and Numbers and Joshua and I was just reading it along with them. And I'm reading about the story about this God who so wants his people to enjoy all that he is and all that he offers that wants them to experience the rest of God in a group of people that keep rejecting the beauties and the wonders and the love and the grace that God is. And I'm reading the story about what God desires of us in the book of Hebrews and in, the, in, in, in your Old Testament and throughout your Bible that he wants us to rest in him, to remain in him, to be so close to him that we are surrounded by his presence and his power and his love, that we would embrace his promises, we would enjoy his presence, and then we would walk out and experience his peace. And I'm reading about this God and I look down and what I see is my son sleeping on. And I begin to think to myself, if this, like my, my heart was just so full in that moment. And I begin to think, man, if this is how I view my son, who's resting on me, how much more does God smile upon you who's resting in him? and wants you to have the fullness of what life, both now and forever, actually offers that it's found in him alone. And so if that's true of some parent with some kid, how much more is that true of our God to you? God wants you to have the fullness of life both now and forever. And that happens when we embrace his promises every moment of every day. Enjoy his very presence as we enter in and experience the peace and the joy of God. And that is found in Christ alone, and the invitation is for today. Because Jesus is our better rest. And we can run to him, we can revere him, and we can find our life and our rest in him today. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about CityBridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.